Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. Well, hello, everyone. We just started a new quarterly. It's titled, In These Last Days, The Message of Hebrews. And I just want to give a brief overview of what Hebrews is. I didn't give a very good introduction, so I want to do this. I'll call it Introduction 2. But I want to give an overview of what really this book is, because it is a very unique book in the Bible. I just want to start out with who is the author? Who wrote Hebrews? Well, it was obviously somebody who really knows the Old Testament, the scripture. So we can assume it was a Hebrew. The lesson study author thinks that it's Paul. I think by the tone of the writing itself, it does not sound like Paul to me. You know, just like you can, if you listen to something by Beethoven or Tchaikovsky or Mozart, you can tell their work even if you've never heard that particular piece before because it has a certain characteristic to it. And the same thing with artwork. You can tell who the artist is. And it's the same thing with writings. I just don't hear Paul. It doesn't sound like Paul's other writings. Some people have said it's Luke. There's just some controversy about who wrote it. But I don't think it's really that important who wrote it. We can assume that it's someone who understood the scriptures, most likely a Hebrew. The message that they have, I think, is what is really important. So let's look at who the target audience is. Well, it's most likely Hebrew believers. They would have to have a familiarity with the Old Testament scriptures, pretty good familiarity, because Hebrews is very heavy into quoting the Old Testament. And it's probably the Hebrew people that need to understand the different order of things. They're used to the sanctuary service. They're used to the customs and traditions. And they need to know how those are changing or how does the current day fit in with the prophets and the things that they are familiar with? Because the author of Hebrews really explains how those things fit together. And he's referencing the Old Testament to explain how Jesus fits into that scheme to assure them how the sanctuary services changed or going to change. And so we can say that the target audience is most likely Hebrew believers. And it's also anyone who wants to understand how the Old Testament and the New Testament integrate together. To me, Hebrews is kind of like a Rosetta Stone. It is really a unique book. It defines the role of Jesus by looking at Old Testament references. And some of these Old Testament references can be kind of confusing. And I'm just wondering if maybe some of the people throughout time were a little bit confused with, well, who are they referring to? Are they referring to David? Is his kingdom? Who, who is this high priest Melchizedek? You know, it could be kind of confusing. And this author is really has a lot of insight and really draws it together and says, look at all these Old Testament references are referencing what we are seeing right now is basically what he's telling them. And so it, it can kind of act like a Rosetta Stone to explain the Old Testament and New Testament and integrate them together. Now, some of the Christians today, they just, okay, the Old Testament, that's just all old. It's all obsolete. It's all done away with. We can just throw it all away. And and then they even throw away everything that, that God said on the mountain. It's all kind of mucky in their head. They can 
pick out a few things here and there, but for the most part, they just kind of, we don't need any of that. And they just kind of throw it all out. And I think that's really unfortunate because you really can't understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. It's really important. There's a reason why the Old Testament has been preserved for all these thousands of years. There's a reason why Christ himself, that's what he read from. That's what the apostles read from. That's the scripture that they had. And that's our guidebook. It's really an important history book for us and a guidebook of who God is and his plan for us. So Hebrews is a really good book to give us that integration and to help us to see how the New Testament and the Old Testament fit together. And it's kind of like the connector piece between the two. And then I think the third target audience for Hebrews is the people who are ready to enter the promised land, the people like us at the end of time, the people who are going to have the Holy Spirit poured out in greater number, and maybe people who might be alive when they try to reconstruct the earthly temple. You know, there's some talk about that. There's some groups that think that it's going to be in Zion and they're going to reconstruct the temple. Maybe they're going to reinstitute the sacrifices. And so I think it's for people that need to make sense of that and what is really happening. And we understand the sanctuary service, the role of the tabernacle and how that role has served its purpose that we'll be able to better understand the events that go on around us and not be deceived by the things that others are involved with. So that's the target audience for Hebrews. And then I just want to go briefly through, just walk really briefly through Hebrews. So there's 13 chapters and I'm just going to do like a brief description of each. So we start out with chapter one and it talks about Jesus and his high role. He's, he's better than the prophets. He's, he's, he's better than the angels. He's got a unique role that's higher than all of those. And there are a lot of references to the Old Testament, which point out these Old Testament references are pointing to Jesus. So that's chapter one. Chapter two, it goes into Jesus as our example and that he, he is our high priest, but he's also one like us. He can help us. He's like a brother to us and that we can achieve sanctification and that he's like our advocate. And then chapter three, it says, talks about Jesus being better than Moses and also that we must be better than the generation of Moses's day, the, the ones who rebelled in the wilderness that didn't hear that voice, that didn't shema kol Yehovah. They didn't hear and hearken to the voice of the Lord. And we need to be better than them as Jesus is better than Moses. And then chapters four and five, it's still continuing that same theme that there's there's a greater rest that awaits us. You know, Moses wanted to go into the promised land and then the Lord showed him the real promised land. And I think this is kind of explaining that, that there's this greater promised land. There's this greater rest that awaits us. And then chapters five and six talk again about Christ as our high priest, but that we also need to be mature and move away from this idea that these forms and ceremonies and things are going to, are going to sanctify us. And we have to be careful about slipping back too, because just like the high priest went in once a year, you know, the sanctuary is cleansed that then what do you do from that point on? It's not this continual thing where you're just sinning and repenting. So there's some responsibility put in chapters five and six about not slipping back. And then 
chapter 7 talks about, again, Jesus as high priest out of the order of Melchizedek. And it's really describing how he's on just a different level. It's, it's beyond the Levitical priest. Jesus wasn't from the lineage of Levi. All the priesthood, Aaron and all his sons, that was all the Levitical priests were from Levi. And Jesus wasn't. He's this better high priest. His priesthood just continues forever. He doesn't die. There's no weakness there. He's not changeable. And he's able to save. So it's like a totally different order of priesthood. And then chapters 8 and 9 talk about Jesus being the mediator of the new covenant. And what is this new covenant? This is where it describes how the sanctuary service, what its role was, and that it's no longer these bulls and goats, and it's not the shadow of the real thing. Now it's the real sanctuary, the heavenly sanctuary. It's no longer this this temporal promised land, but a real promised land. And it's not going to be the stony hearts, but it's going to be these hearts of flesh that have his laws written on them that are permanent. They don't get lost like the tables of stone. They don't get broken like the tables of stone, that they're, his laws are going to be written in our hearts. And then chapters 9 and 10 keep going on with that same theme about the high priest making a one-time redemption. It ties in with Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a once-a-year event when the sanctuary was cleansed and the high priest would go in um, before the, the most holy place. But in Hebrews 9 and 10, it's kind of talking about that is a one-time redemption that Jesus went in one time to bear the sins of many. And it also hints again about responsibility for us to live a clean life after that atonement. And then chapters 11 talks about what is faith and how do we live by faith. And then 12 is talking about this high calling in this high kingdom that can't be shaken. Chapter 13 is practical examples of what brotherly love looks like. How do children of this heavenly God, of this heavenly eternal kingdom that can't be shaken, how do these people actually act in real life? You know, what what is brotherly love? How do we treat each other? How do we assemble together? And so 13 leaves them with a real practical, for people who like really practical things that 13, especially after the pretty intense rest of the, the book of Hebrews, where there's just a lot of these references to Old Testament and all this talk about the sanctuary service. I mean, this is heavy duty stuff. The priesthood is changing and this high priest and this heavenly sanctuary, it's all like really intense stuff. But 13 is more, okay, what does this mean? What does this actually mean when we are children of God, and we've received of this end of this sanctification, we've received this redemption and this atonement. What does that look like in real life? So it's kind of a good way to end. So that's just a run through of Hebrews. I wanted to give that as an overview to help us as we go through it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.